Hello and welcome to the What If Movie Pod, the movie pod that simply asks, what if? I am Josh. And I'm Bryce. And I'm Hannah. And before we start, I just want to thank all of you listeners for getting us to our February goal of 50 likes on Facebook. That was hey. awesome to see. Woohoo! Likes. I like it. Good joke. Thank you. That's the type of joke that gets That's this podcast likes. Exactly. It brings them in mm-hmm. and keeps them, keeps them listening. Some sweet, sweet circa 2007, ooh, 2007 humor right there. And we're going to also introduce a new goal for the month of March, uh, which is to try and get five, five, so not 50, we're, we're cutting it down, five ratings and reviews on iTunes is our new Whoa. goal. I feel like that's modest enough for it to be achievable. Yeah. Because if each of us does it, that's three. So we just, need, we just need two more two. people, right? Can we rate our own podcast? Is that allowed? Or is iTunes that... doesn't know. That's that's true. No, they don't Politicians have our... get to yeah. vote for themselves. I didn't fill out like a form to be on this podcast. I get iTunes permission. They don't know who I am. Well, they do. They, they know who you are. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know about doing your own. That's a little shady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I also think we should have faith in ourselves that five people like listening to this and will write about it and review it. We didn't it. say what rating or well, review to Well, that's true. Give us. I but suppose. I think any any feedback in that official medium is good feedback. So, yeah, I I for one would really appreciate those five ratings and reviews. So, if for nothing else, do it for me. Hmm. Yeah, and if it comes down to the 23rd hour of March 31st, and we have two ratings and reviews up there, you know, don't be surprised that we'll get five by uh, April 1st. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we'll call that the, the safety valve. Exactly. I also just wanted to quickly mention that uh, we got a nice warm reception for our guest, Matt, last week. So that's something that uh, we want to thank him for being on here again. And Yeah, thanks, Matt. So today's episode... Uh, We're going to answer the question, what if 10 Cloverfield Lane excluded the Cloverfield connection? And was it, were we thinking just excluded or what if it were, the ending were different? That is however you interpreted the question. There's such artistic freedom here, guys. This is a great space. Uh, So what were some of your uh, first times? What? Well, I guess you don't, you only get one first time. So what was that first time? (laughs) I think the first, first time that we saw this movie, we saw it in theaters, I think when we were in Bismarck, North Dakota, and this, we watched it then last night in preparation for this podcast, which was only the second time watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, this was one of our, uh, I'm sure, $5 Tuesday date nights at the movie theater to see this movie. I spared no expense. And I remember liking it then, and I liked it again. Yep, I super liked it when I first saw it. I remember being a little ambivalent about the ending, and yet part of me was still prepared to defend it against possible de- detractors, which there were and which there are. And after watching it a second time, I think for the most part, I still feel that way for the most part. Interesting, interesting, yeah. This also, preparing for the podcast, was my second time watching the movie, and and I think I liked it less... I feel like there were maybe a few... Uh, the movie as a whole or the ending? Um, the movie as a whole, actually. Interesting. Uh, and I was actually 
during the um during the part in the in the bunker where I started to see, you know, maybe where some of these storylines were because um, as we'll talk about, this too was its own thing until they decided to make it a Cloverfield thing. And on my second watch, I thought, oh, I can kind of see some of the, you know, some of the weld marks where they combined the stories here a little bit more than I did the first time. Uh, and so, and we can talk about that. But the first time I watched it was on a plane uh, back from visiting Connecticut, and I had a, a long flight, and it was just one of those free-to-watch movies. I had heard good things about it, and so I figured, well, I have a few hours to spare. It's better than just playing games on my phone. Uh, so I watched it, and when I landed, I remember uh, I immediately texted Bryce. Oh, really? And I asked Bryce if he had seen it. And uh, we talked about it a little bit, and while I was waiting for the flight back to Bismarck, I was in Minneapolis during that layover time. Uh, I was texting you, Bryce, to see what your thoughts of the ending of the movie were. Do you remember what I said? Because I don't even remember this conversation. <laughs> nah, I just remember that you were positive on the ending. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I think part of my positivity was knowing that there would be negative reactions to the ending. Um, and as well, I think we'll discover when we talk about um, how it could have been different or not there at all. I definitely think there are changes that could be made. But on the whole, I like that the movie ends the way it does, though I maybe don't love the way they executed that ending. Yeah, and I think another thing that you might have said that you liked about it was that... Um that it at least did show character growth, you know, that decision of her having to turn back, um, you know, it did incite a change in her, which was something you were positive on. And I agree. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I, yeah. Especially that yeah, the very ending scene where she makes the decision to go towards Houston instead of towards Baton Rouge. I like that just, you know, it's pretty simple. It's not all that like super clever or anything, but I like it. I don't think things have to be, Uh, really subtle or convoluted sometimes they can just be as simple as watching a character make a choice and their decision is different because of what's happened to them definitely so before we talk more about the movie let's just go ahead and and recap it for the listeners and again uh spoilers ahead for anybody who hasn't seen it uh 10 cloverfield lane was directed by first time feature film director dan trachtenberg this was his first Mm. feature film and it was released in 2016 uh the film follows a young woman michelle who after leaving her fiance unable to commit gets into a car crash and wakes up in an underground bunker with two men howard played by john goodman and emmett played by john gallagher jr Howard insists that an event has left the surface of the earth uninhabitable, and after coming to believe Howard, the three, over an unknown period of time, start to build a connection. But then when Emmett and Michelle discover a secret about Howard, they decide that they need to escape no matter the cost. This leads to Emmett's and Howard's deaths, the destruction of the bunker, and the reveal that Howard was not lying. Michelle finds herself in the middle of the farm battling a giant alien robot. Uh, She narrowly defeats the alien, grabs a vehicle, and decides to commit to something which is going towards Houston to help fight against the aliens. Yeah, and I think, based on just the visual information that the movie gives us, to me it seems like they're in the bunker for a period of weeks. That would, I think, match up, because they show her fingernail polish. I would think if it were months and months and months, 
she would have no polish left. And John Goodman's uh, or Howard's scar, yeah. is, I think, is one of the uh, chief time cues we have. So I watch it as if it's a period of weeks, maybe, maybe months. a month or two. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think, because when she leaves the bunker, it's very clearly autumn. The corn is dry and looks ready for harvesting. And I'm trying to remember when she was driving around in the beginning of the movie what the vegetation looked like. And I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know that we had. I, I know there is some green in those shots. I don't know if we had any real clear seasonal mm-hmm. clues. But I think it's safe to say weeks or months they've been yeah. in the bunker. They haven't been down there for years uh, they've been down there for more than days. Yeah. But yeah, and as, uh, as you said, Josh, of course, when she gets out of the bunker, there is a, a fight with several different forms of aliens. One is the scary worm creature, which had been alluded to earlier in the film, and then the alien ship as well, which is, of course, the, the controversial aspect of this movie, and I think exactly what we're going to be talking about a little bit. Right, so the question is, again, uh, what if 10 Cloverfield Lane excluded any Cloverfield connection? And so my first question to this was, well, what are the Cloverfield connections? And we don't really get that many. Like, when you think about, yeah, this is aliens, but how does it tie into what we got in the previous film? It's pretty loose, which is the point, Mm -hmm. but it's pretty loose. Yeah, and I think that's intentional. I know in some interviews, Jabrams had said this film's a blood relative. It's not intended to be a direct prequel or a direct sequel. Um, the nature of the monsters involved definitely seems similar in the design, but whereas Cloverfield is straight up monster from the sea movie, if I remember correctly, I only saw it once way back when it came out. Uh, this is... It seems more traditional alien invasion mm-hmm. um, as far as ships and whatnot. Clearly, some sort of weird biomechanical ships and some of those biological cues, I think, take some design cues from the Cloverfield monster. But there's no um, really even implied direct connection of the events in these movies. Well, and even in the way, way beginning, as she's driving, um, she ends a call from her fiancé, and turns on the radio, and the only thing on the radio is talking about some energy problems, like there had been some blackouts yeah. in the area. And so even prior to the last part of the movie, there's not even a good indication that it connects in any way. Um, you know, blackouts can be caused by a lot of things, and obviously, if you kind of look at the paradox, the new Cloverfield paradox that just came out, energy crisis was a big part of mm-hmm. that movie, and so maybe there's, you know... Obviously, there's a connection there. I know I was reading in the trivia on IMDb, which, like, gross. A lot of it's really bad. But there's even some speculation that the guy in Cloverfield Paradox who's on the newsreel and is saying, you know, this is going to be a... He even calls it the Cloverfield Paradox is actually John Goodman's brother. But I think that's a little Howard's brother because of military background or whatever. They make some really strange connection. I think it's kind of pointless to try to hunt those such time-specific connections down because I think the point of Cloverfield Paradox is that these events are not happening in the same time and space. 
Right. If we want to put our tinfoil hats on, you know, we can say that, oh, well, Howard had something to do with satellites, and you faintly see a satellite fall in the original Cloverfield, so there's the link. And then you get the Easter egg of their mailbox, says Cloverfield on it. And then exactly what you said, Hannah, um, I think the connection was that both Howard and that crazy guy share the last, share the same last yeah. name. Uh, and so that was their familial connection. Um, so, but again, that's that's really Easter egg type stuff. Nothing really conclusive. And I think they're all clearly intentional connections. But ultimately, especially I think for Ten Cloverfield Lane, they don't really matter. I mean, if Ten Cloverfield Lane is called Ten Buttercup Lane, and you have everything else exactly the same. Still a good movie. Yeah, it doesn't gain anything from being attached to the Cloverfield uh, universe or anthology, or if we want to refer to it as. Um, I don't think it's necessarily hurt by being attached to it, but ultimately the fact that this is a Cloverfield movie, for me, doesn't do much to add to or detract from the movie itself. I would agree. Do you think it was just to get butts in the seats? Like, oh, we know what a Cloverfield thing is, kind of. We'll go see the movie. We know how I feel about these psychological thrillers, so I would have seen a movie like this anyway. Um, I don't know. I don't think I'm that weird of a moviegoer, but I mean, big names, right? John Goodman in a serious role is pretty exciting as a moviegoer. Um, I don't know. I think the movie looks good without it being Cloverfield. Yeah, it's hard to say because they're such different movies. Like Cloverfield is this found footage Godzilla movie, basically. And this movie, up until the very end, is an extremely different movie. I think there was in one of the advertising campaigns, was there a tagline? Um, something about um, not all monsters are... Like monsters come in all forms Yeah, or monsters like that. come in all forms, kind of implying yeah. human monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is a, a mm-hmm. really kind of neat cool. play on that. Like, this is also a monster movie, but who are the monsters really? Like, that's kind of neat. If anything, I think the first Cloverfield movie, um, simply Cloverfield, is perhaps raised because of this movie rather than this movie really benefiting from that movie. Um, and I know this all kind of hinges on what is the nature of the connection between the Cloverfield anthology movies and especially after the slum bucket of the Cloverfield paradox. I think that's a, a difficult question to answer and maybe not even worth answering i I think you hit it there i think it doesn't matter i think we are not we particular us three but we as the general we are kind of wasting our time trying to connect these things linearly and chronologically i think it's just an excuse to make a movie with aliens in it it's just what jabrams wants (laughs) is for us to spend time trying to put together his puzzle box (laughs) Uh, you did mention John Goodman, and I feel like it's worth just taking a little sidebar as like a shout out oh, to boy, John Goodman so good. and his performance because it, it was great. I loved it. And now he's in the Roseanne reboot. Mm, poor guy. But um, kind of back to what you were saying, Josh, finding the references in the movie to the larger universe, they're slim. There's just not that many. There's the one radio reference in the very beginning obviously the name of the movie um and the mailbox the mail well yeah that's at the very very end after we've already seen the alien right um trying to think in the middle of the movie when they're in the bunker i don't know if there's anything really 
connecting this movie to Cloverfield. Yeah, there's lots of kind of little dialogue things about aliens in general. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But any of that you can kind of write off to Howard being this conspiracy theorist. Right. Like he very um, explicitly mentions the Martians at one point. Um, and I don't think it's really even suggested in the um, Cloverfield anthology universe that the aliens or monsters are specifically Martian in origin. So I don't think we're supposed to read that as a specific connection. I mean, he does, or rather Emmett mentions Howard talking about mutant worms. Um, That's right. Which, you know, again, the first Cloverfield movie, you have this giant monster and the little monsters. Um, And of course, we see a big worm thing later. But that's more foreshadowing than it is connection to uh, Cloverfield. And still pretty loose, because I feel like, in general, if you're going to be talking about alien invasion, like, pretty much every alien movie has some sort of mutant worm type thing. Right. So my next thought uh, when thinking about this question was, even if we say it's not part of Cloverfield and it's still the aliens, does that change it at all? Everything's the same except Cloverfield is taken out of the title and of the mailbox because those are the only Cloverfield verbatim references. The movie's just the same? The movie's the same? I think it is. Prior to the Cloverfield Paradox, I think it is. Now that the Cloverfield Paradox exists, I think the movie would actually be improved. By being detached? Yeah, just because it does, it's not dragged down. <laughs> by um, the... Yeah, by the... Garbage. Just stinker of a... Garbage, garbage. indeed. Ah. Somewhere out there is the one guy who loved that movie, and we're just making him so mad. Open invitation for that Come person <laughs> to yeah comment or maybe even have you on the show. I just want to figure out why why you like yeah. it so much. But uh, no, on the whole, I'd say yeah, take out all the Cloverfield things. Yeah, I think it, I don't really think it changes that movie. I would still like it. I would still like it. I think the you know you take out the Cloverfield part. The alien attack at the end would be an even larger surprise, a larger shock. That's true. So it might actually be you're improved. Like really not expecting it, right? I mean, we go th- through the whole movie, and I re- I've seen Cloverfield once. It was a long time ago. I know it's about aliens. I know it's okay. You know, that's kind of where I was at seeing this movie. And so you kind of are you're always expecting, okay, where are the aliens coming in? Like, where's the aliens? Where's the aliens? But they do such a good job. You kind of forget that you're waiting for them um, because I, I, even up to the very end, it's like, well, she's fine. She got out. The air is breathable. There's birds. There's every, you know, and it seems like she's going to get away without ever encountering anything. And so that would be an even bigger punch in the face if if you didn't know it was attached to this other alien universe. Yeah, that's, that's a, a good really point, good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're. I'm. I remember being on the plane and wondering, okay, where are the monsters? Where are the monsters? Yeah. And uh, and you're right. They totally do a good job of of he's the monster, as you kind of suggested before with that tagline. So my second, or no, wait. I guess I'm on my third thought now. Was um, if we get rid of the Cloverfield connection. What else could it have been above ground? If we say we're getting rid of the connection of it being aliens, you know, I think this kind of opens opens this up quite wide as far mm-hmm. as what else could have been above ground. 
Um, so did I've you guys have any thoughts to that? Okay, so now we're getting rid of extraterrestrial aliens entirely, right. regardless of... Well, maybe not entirely, what, but sure. yeah, but for the most part. Sure. So At least the aliens that were given to us, you know. Yeah. If, okay. If we were, if we, let's say we're in that writer's room and we're like, and she gets above ground... And now you have the freedom, the creative freedom of what happens now that she's above ground. Where would you take it? What options do we have, which are, you know, endless. Almost endless. Yeah. Well, I think the the first thing that came to my mind, and if you're just making a thriller movie, like she just gets away, right? She gets away and goes along her way. Maybe she goes back to the fiancé. Maybe she, you know, who knows what happens to her. Maybe you don't ever know. Maybe she, the last shot is just her coming out into the air and realizing that it's breathable or, you know, seeing the birds and then done, cut to credits or something. Or not um, being breathable or, and she just right, suffocates. Yeah. Right, exactly. That's dark. That is dark. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. And so, right, you can take it multiple ways. Either Howard was telling the truth or he wasn't. Or... Halfway in between, which is kind of the case in the current edition, right? Movie. Or he ends, he's yeah, kind of mistaken, yeah. Or, and there's something else, something that else, he's lying right? About. So if he's not telling the truth, if he's just a demented, paranoid guy, she gets up, world continues on, everything's fine. That doesn't explain the infected lady, mm-hmm. um, which I suppose you would have to explain somehow. So yeah, I guess in that case with this, you know, the neighbor lady who clearly something has happened to her by being outside kind of leads you to believe, well, he is right. Yeah, something did happen. Um, So yeah, you could get her out and it's terrible and she dies right away. Um, Or some, I think, kind of an interesting, you know, some sort of fallout has happened, right? Whatever it is. And she makes the same choice in the end. She still Mm. decides to go where help is needed instead of to the safe zone. And I think you still end up with a pretty good movie, a good character arc. You know, maybe Howard gets out of the bunker, and so there's kind of one last struggle out in the open air. Which I kept thinking was going to happen, even the second time I watched him. Like, wait, is he dead dead, or is he not dead? And then the whole thing explodes, and he's dead dead. Right. Yeah. Because you can't ever forget seeing, right? Like, I can't put myself in totally in the world where this scene of the aliens doesn't exist. So it almost feels a little anticlimactic at the end if and you I don't did, have it. I did have that thought as I was, well, for one, as I was watching it the first time, I think I thought it was going to end when we saw the birds. And watching it the second time, I'm like, oh, you could totally end it here and you would have a, a complete movie. And I don't think anyone could say it was a bad movie. Mm-mm. Um and like you said, I can't really, knowing what I know now, I can't really go back. But I'm glad it doesn't end there. I said, I think that would be a good, solid little movie. But it, I don't know, it's kind of an easy thing to mm-hmm. do. Like, oh, we're not going to answer any of your questions. And so that's kind of what I like about the movie taking this turn is it's like, we are going to answer these questions to an extent very boldly. I think there are a lot of interesting options you can get into if this is not going to be an alien invasion. You know, she comes out there and sees essentially a a UFO. There's a really neat opportunity here for more of a a dark horror setting. I don't want to go zombies because we're inundated with zombies, much like the people in zombie movies. I don't think we need more of that. Um, But there is, I think, some opportunity here for... um, 
weird creatures that have come from somewhere, you know, maybe from space, maybe from underground, you know, maybe mutated and just horrific demonic human beings. Like I think that you, from this point, when you establish, Oh, something is going on. There are a lot of things you can do there. And I think maybe instead of going space invaders, there's uh, potentially some really interesting stuff to do. Um, Weird, horrific monsters that I feel like, Cinema recently has not been that interested in exploring, hmm. aside from zombies. I feel you there. Some sort of biological agent that has, you know, yeah, twisted or, the, or... Yeah, these twisted mishappen maybe used to be humans, which might be kind of an interesting parallel between kind of Howard's twisted psyche, mm. and then we come out and see these physically twisted, deformed uh, beings, be they human, be they something else. And I think, too, especially if you keep the, the scale of those beings rather human, you could get a, a conflict at the end that's maybe a bit more palatable than what we saw. You know, we don't have potentially then Michelle taking out a giant ship mm-hmm. with a Molotov cocktail, but instead we have a little more uh, smaller scale struggle with one or more of these entities. That being said, I do like kind of the abrupt shift in the scale mm-hmm. of the conflict as, as the movie is now, which I think is something that doesn't sit well with everyone. But there's something I like about it just because of how well it doesn't fit. I think one way it could go to uh, going towards what, you know, Hannah, you really like these psychological thrillers is, you know, maybe something where she gets out, but then has to make a choice of okay, there's something bad up here, whatever that might be. Do I just go back into the bunker and say, Mm. you know, give that choice, maybe not the choice of, you know, do I find somewhere else to go Baton Rouge for safety or do I head towards Houston to fight these aliens? But do I just continue to stay above ground or maybe do I just think maybe it's safer uh, to go back into the bunker? Maybe ask that question. I would kind of love a, a scene in which she, you know, whatever she encounters out there, that she is begging Howard through to the door let to let her in. back in. Because mm. um, we kind of be get that powerful. with the lady and, you know, it really works for Howard's advantage that that lady just happened to come by um, mm-hmm. and and scare Michelle, right, as she's about to leave. Um, and And I kind of wonder how much has been... Howard's doing like the pigs were those Howard's doing or was that part of right you know that know. that one was left a little ambiguous as far as what the cause of that was you saw the blood on the pickup did he just run him over and that was oh, his that plan? was paint from her car I think oh was it I think that's paint from her car where he ran her off the road okay okay I- yeah that that's how I interpreted that too because that's when she realizes that he ran her off the road was looking out and seeing her red paint across and kind of flashing back and realizing oh i thought that that had happened oh i i guess so she's seeing it for herself but i i took howard at his word at that point where he's like i'm the one who hit you at the very beginning because mm-hmm. he tells Which her he that did. too after she sees it though oh yeah. was it yeah. after she she figures it out and then he she kind of tries to get away and that's when he says yeah i ran you off the road i have a confession S- yeah she's so been two weeks since i saw this movie <laughs> ah, what a difference two weeks makes. But I, I really like that idea, Josh. Yeah. Rather than having the, the bunker explode and remove all doubt, 
I think having that kind of one more interaction Mm -hmm. between Howard and Michelle and not potentially in a way we expect, it's kind of another inversion. Um, I think that'd be really, Mm -hmm. really interesting, regardless Mm -hmm. of what she encounters out there. Obviously, something that makes her want to go back in. Well, and on kind of a, if you're really just going for the psychological thriller route, part of Howard's problem is needing control, right? He needs respect. He needs control over the situation and the people around him. And so maybe he lets her out. At knowing that she's going to want to come back in and may, then he really has control over her then. And so if he does let her back in, he can use that as a weapon kind of, right? Like I let you out and you saw and I was right and I'm here to protect you. And then he's really got her, right? That, then she's more trapped than she ever was before. Which would be interesting then if she, in addition to other choices she might make, makes the choice to not accept his invitation back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then you're faced with, you know, this guy that obviously has problems, but also means life, maybe until you make him mad and he decides to retaliate or whatever is out there, right? The kind of the unknown. One thing I will say about what I really like about the way that it did end is when she is... um when she gets a hold of Emmett's wallet and she sees the bus ticket still in there, you know, it kind of helps motivate her to choose that route of, okay, I'm actually going to do something not only for myself, but kind of uh, for Emmett too, since he can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really, I think the kind of motivators, they set up so nicely throughout the whole movie um, and kind of her discussion on always, never saying anything right seeing things happening and not acting on them and then she's gonna act at the end right she's gonna help people yeah i feel like where kind of josh we've been running with your suggestion here and i feel like kind of where it's taken us is more of a a knitting together of the the main body of the movie and kind of this hard left turn at the end you know as we um most of what we're suggesting is kind of still bringing this howard michelle conflict um, in there and kind of intertwining it instead of just this hard, complete break. Mm-hmm. Softening the curves a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other thing that I thought of was, since this is part of a franchise, if we took the Cloverfield connection out, and what if this was the start of its own franchise? Michelle leaves, and now we have another movie where now we follow her battling you know whatever there is out there and you know potentially you would just have you know maybe another cloverfield monster where she's going to houston but whatever we pick whether it be sticking with these aliens or something from underground or some sort of apocalyptic event on earth you know whatever that be but then creating a a franchise going forward just with michelle might be another way that it could go that's the franchise i want So one of the kind of neat things about the Cloverfield anthology that I like right now is kind of this genre hopping. That would be really neat, I think. The first kind of introductory film of this is this thriller movie, which then brings us into, yeah, some sort of um, action or monster movie, which then from there moves us into some other genre type of movie, but that are all direct sequels to each other. I that'd be really difficult to do, I think. And because of that, I want that. Yes. Make it happen. I'll tell you where I got the idea from is from Alien. 
you know, Alien is this oh. very mm-hmm. small story about these people, uh, you know, under attack. We don't know really what it is, and it follows and it follows. Um, uh, it follows Sigourney Weaver's character. Yep. And then in the sequel, it's a action movie where you've got tons of aliens and the military and all this sort of stuff, and uh, you know, she's that connecting piece between those two. Uh, you could potentially, yeah. you know, sort of, you know, reboot Aliens and maybe, you know, in what some people might say would be better than what they did with Prometheus and Alien Covenant. I don't know who those people would be, but some people might say that uh, uh, a uh, a reboot of sorts with this Michelle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And unlike the Aliens franchise, I'd like it if they were kind of able to. Um, you know, bring it out like that from thriller maybe to action, but then also be able to bring it back back in, um, with, I, and I've only trying to think of which of the aliens movies I've seen. There's so many of them, but definitely from alien to aliens. Like you said, we have the move from thriller to action movie. We never come back from that really um you don't get a drama then or right a geopolitical you, kind of exactly from then we're just kind of stuck in action arguably until kind of the most recent re-unboot um prometheus and whatnot but aliens 3 and kind of the spin-offs from there is just more of this kind of miasmic action um and so something a little more disciplined and controlled i think would be really interesting and that's not always the same monster like we said one of the really interesting things about this one is that the monster the characters are talking about the whole time isn't really the movie's monster Mm -hmm. what if this is kind of a jumping off point for arrival even right so the aliens come maybe they're not attacking maybe this is a different branch of the same aliens and they're just there and you or maybe they are attacking right and so you have you have this movie Michelle goes off and kind of fights and whatever. And then we learn to communicate with them. And you kind of have that political, you know, obviously they don't need to be connected. Arrival stands on its own two feet and I would never want to touch it. Right. But, but more kind of that, of that idea. Then you then you move into kind of a drama political where there's not a lot of action. You know, that kind of mm-hmm. follows your idea. And they learn to learn to communicate and then something goes wrong and now they're fighting again. You know, you could. Or, or another threat comes, and because they've learned to work together, together, they can join together against us. We have a whole entire franchise oh here gosh. that uh, at our disposal that that they yeah. just they're not doing that with Cloverfield successfully. And I, I was, uh, as you pointed out, I was interested to find, and I happened upon this trivia after we watched it the second time that this, like the Cloverfield paradox, was a um, movie in works or a screenplay that existed. That uh, J. Abrams and company then bought and made into a, a Cloverfield movie or bought the rights to, and so apparently that's the uniting, um, yes, uniting feature of the <laughs> J. Cloverfield J. movies is things that already exist that are made into Cloverfield movies. Maybe if I had happened upon that beforehand, I would have noticed more that the seams, the welds that you mentioned, Josh. I know this isn't the primary. Uh, focus of our conversation but i am curious about what are some of the things you saw that you thought exposed that sure so i thought that it usually centers around howard is where that uh where those kind of strays are um because you're never really sure what to believe and Mm -hmm. which is which is sort of the point but the problem that i have with it is this kind of side thing that really propels them to decide no, we need to get out of here. And that's them discovering that he had kept 
kidnapped this previous girl before. Mm-hmm. And maybe uh, seems pretty likely, but you never know for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of unclear. What it seems it seems pretty likely. <laughs> yeah, it's fairly clear. Yeah, I mean, because Emmett basically says, "Oh yeah, she disappeared," and he has a picture of her in his book, and so I mean, the the movie itself, I think, pretty heavily suggests that he's now. Now, my question is: Is did he kidnap the girl because of? You know, whatever obsession he had with his own daughter who, you know, her mom took her away. And so he's just obsessed with having this female uh, to replace the role of his daughter, which is why he sure. kidnaps Michelle. And that stays with the, the whole psychological thriller aspect, right? But then we also have this, did he want her to keep her in the bunker uh, for once the event takes place? Right. So is he saving her because she's a girl to replace that role or is he saving her, uh, you know, because he knows that this thing is potentially going to take place? Did he kidnap that first girl because he was going to keep her down there until the event took place as well? Right. And so um, I think it's that kind of um, ambiguity in in Howard's motivations, which which is fine. I don't mind ambiguity in our villains at all, but I think it's there where I can kind of see these weld marks where these storylines, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to use that plot point for a little bit too much. I think you're right, and that does make sense. Cause kind of looking back now, if we take out, obviously, the ending of the movie and the scene with the woman trying to get in, then that um, Howard's kidnapping of that girl and later Michelle kind of does make more sense. And um, Emmett happens to be here because he was convinced and wanted to get inside. As it is, yeah, that's kind of unclear, and I think maybe because it is a remnant of a, a slightly different story. I mean, in his dialogue, though, when he's confessing to Michelle that he ran her off the road, kind of makes it sound like he was going to leave her in his rush to get back to the bunker because this attack was attack was incoming he was kind of gonna and then maybe felt some remorse maybe he saw her and realized she's a brunette and looks kind of mm-hmm. like you know um and then maybe you get this kind of regret slash ooh, here's another woman for me to right <laughs> to though, though it makes it the way it is now makes it unclear why he had kidnapped this other girl why she was in the bunker yeah. um and where and why what happened she also to her too Right. right. And well, why I mean, he's got a giant vat of acid, I think. Yeah. Although a completely full one. That's true. It was. Um, and full. she apparently also had to go up to that same room and, and yeah. writes help on and, there. And then, yeah. yeah, maybe he has two vats, though. It right. could be. He's got another secret door with another vat. Yeah, and, and I think it's okay that some of that is unexplained, by all means. But I think maybe you're right, Josh, in that it does, uh, mo- it leans on that in some revealing ways, potentially. Potentially, yeah. I can look past that pretty easily. Yeah, I didn't know, no ways, in no way ruins the movie for me. Yeah. I do think it unusual, so when the air filter goes out, you know, and they're trying to get through the big hatch, and he says something's blocking it, and he forces her to climb through all the ductwork, then, like, they don't unblock whatever that is because later she climbs through the ductwork again and he can't get up to her that seems like a an oversight that i struggle to overlook maybe it's the body i guess but you would i I would assume that that hatch 
leads directly into that room that she got to eventually and there was not a body in there i don't know yeah it is a little weird because it looks like he's pulling Pulling down down. on it but can't open it like the whole kind of explanation of that scene is kind of weird and maybe that's just howard being manipulative maybe there is no hatch that leads to that room maybe you have to go through the ductwork and that's but i don't know there's tools and stuff in there some his mail like Mm -hmm. it seems that he's been there before yeah, there's a little bit of the setup there that I think um, brings up questions which don't need, to, don't be need answered, to be answered. I'm um, okay. But knowing the the nature of the history of the movie does bring up some of those questions. Mm-hmm. And, and no movie is flawless. If you pick at it long enough, you're going to find, you know, things like this. But yeah, I agree that overall, uh, I think I noticed it more this time around because I was looking for it. But I mean, as far as if I'm going to sit down and watch this, it's mostly definitely because of the psychological elements and that play between Howard and Emmett and Michelle mm-hmm. in the bunker. You know, the the rest of it uh, is fun, but I do turn my brain off to that part where my brain has been going on the rest of the time trying to figure out mm-hmm. what's real and what isn't while they're in the bunker. And so I think maybe, you know, just the fact that we do get answers, you know, already lets us down a little bit because we've built it up in our minds so much while we're watching it, especially the first time through. But but it's still an enjoyable movie. Yeah, and I, I think I would like it less and I'd be less likely to rewatch it if it did end um, without a some sort of supernatural ending like mm-hmm. we have. You know, if it did just end with the birds, the preceding part would have still been a really good movie. Um, but like I said, I, I like easy way out. Yeah. And I, and I like that we get some big answers at the end. Um, cause frankly, I think it can be, it's almost like a, a pseudo artistic move to be like, oh, well, we're not, we're not about answers. You know, we're about questions. You know, it's a very Prometheus thing <laughs> to do. And so I think that's something, you know, filmmakers can do to kind of make it seem like, oh, they're not just there for spectacle, but it's. I don't know. It's a little artsy and a little lazy, maybe. Mm, I feel yeah, and I think we still have quite a few questions. Oh, absolutely. How did Howard know about the attack? And apparently, no one else did. Um, the the neighbor lady's weird skin infection and later death. Like we have no idea. Well, I guess the gas. It seems to be implied because she says that. it didn't touch, touch me. me. It seems to be talking about the gas. Yeah, but that's a little foggy. Mm-hmm. Um. Obviously, why the aliens are here and what they want and that kind of thing, which doesn't matter in the long run in an alien movie. They're just here to destroy. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like, how were there no clues except for Howard? How did What was Howard tapped into that he knew that an attack was coming when it seems like the rest of the world was entirely unprepared? I think that's an interesting question. But and we'll he, never know. But if he's kidnapping girls and locking them in his bunker, maybe he just happened to be right this time. Maybe. Uh, maybe. What if Howard was as surprised by the lady trying to get in the bunker <laughs> as everyone else? It didn't seem like he was. It didn't, but Howard doesn't let on a lot. He doesn't. But yeah, I agree with you, Bryce. I remember coming out of the theater watching this and just you know, thinking, wow, that took a hard left, but enjoying that hard left. Mm-hmm. I I also remember being uh, quite suspicious of the way she manages to destroy the alien, which I'm less suspicious of the second watch, um, just because I think it's 
maybe more clear that they're biological and flammable. <laughs> yeah, they do. I didn't but. notice the first time, but the second time, the first uh, when she's wafted with the gas, right? She gets the su- suit on. They give you some visual cues that the gas is extremely flammable because it hits some little flames on the ground, big let, yeah. explosions. And so, yeah, that helped me too. Like, okay, she caused a small explosion in the ship. It's full of this gas, which explodes. Right. That helped a bit. It's still a little it's a big much. for me. Um, it's a bit much. It's quite a throw. Well, that's the thing. It all depends on this skinny girl managing to throw that from, she's basically on her back. With a head injury. With a head injury. And it looks like that thing's pretty far away still. And so... Yeah, that's it's a heck of a throw. And that's, I think, why I would, if I were to make an adjustment to this movie, in the end, uh, like I said, I like this supernatural or alien aspect. I would make it smaller. Yes, I think, a smaller conflict. Yep, I still want to have that hard left, but I think I, I don't want our heroine to suddenly become an action hero. Right, right. Because that, that is a hard left for her. Like, just the fact of tipping over that acid barrel onto Howard like that's a big decision for her as a person as a character right like I am making an intentional decision to kill someone Mm -hmm. because that's probably what she was hoping for in order to escape that's a big decision and so then yeah all of a sudden it's like well I've broken that barrier I guess I'm Laura Croft now right (laughs) and on the whole I'm I'm pretty forgiving of that yeah but It still caused me to cock an eyebrow. So, yeah, I would say smaller ship in the end or just the little ground Mm -hmm. creatures that she has to fight off or, you know, yeah, I still think that the final battle is a bit too large for the rest of the scope of the movie. I would agree. Yeah, you could essentially have the battle be smaller, but then still get that big shot of the big craft mm-hmm. in the lightning. So yeah, to, right. to just give you that image that, oh, man, there's there's something else besides this thing. This is really big right. going on. Right. I think so, too, especially given that the worm creature is way scarier yeah. than the, the craft. Because, you know, first it's snuffling around, but then when it runs toward her, you don't get a good look at it. But there's legs or something going on it just yeah. kind of disappears after the craft is destroyed yeah, sure. but that thing's scary the craft isn't necessarily have you seen uh the movie dream catcher it's based off a stephen king novel no. i've not okay those monsters remind me of the monsters in dream catcher uh the second time that i watched it i was like oh those kind of look like those worm things in that movie and like they open okay. up and there's like rows and rows of mm-hmm. teeth in them and and yeah they kind of um glide across the the uh ground that they're moving so fast and so mm-hmm. yeah i think maybe that's what i'd do kind of preserve the the universe that this is in but nix the ship may, maybe you still see the small ship in the distance maybe it still drops the worm mm-hmm. but then have that this little or this big battle be with that creature instead of this um ground to air combat right. thing it turns into yeah, and I like the idea of this being uh, stepping off for its own franchise where we do mm-hmm. still get to mix into different genres, but we mm-hmm. get to follow this Michelle character. Yeah. And um, and then we also have that 
choice, uh, maybe not necessarily to go to new places, but the choice whether she should just go back in the bunker or she, she should press on. I think that would achieve the same character mm-hmm. development uh, as what we do get in the original film. And I think you need that. I think you need Michelle to have changed because of her experience. And that holds true probably for every movie ever, but particularly in this, based on her conversations with Emmett before, right? Being too afraid to step in and make a difference where she knows she can. And so you have to, I think you have to have that in the end. She needs to make that choice to be active. So what if, since this movie, as we've said, takes a hard left turn when she comes out of the bunker, what if it takes, if I may, a harder left turn and she comes out of the bunker to somewhere that is plainly completely different, like within an alien spacecraft or on a surface that is clearly not Earth? You know, maybe it's completely um, flat, uniform, empty, white space, you know, or something that really kind of defies our interpretation a little bit more. Whoa. Well, you know, wh- wh- where does that take us? Then was Howard an alien all along, just in human skin? Yeah, wow, that that really... Or, or, or if she comes out into her apartment that we saw in the beginning Whoa. of the movie, and then was the, you know, was the bunker all the the prison of her mind, or... Hmm, I wouldn't like that so much. I'm just It's the what-if movie pod, I'm just <laughs> throwing out that we've considered a lot of different things for different things that could happen, but it's all in the same location. So right. I'm wondering what if we blew that up like sure. it was an alien spaceship. Although that does help, you know, that does help story-wise be like what would incite her to immediately want to go back into the bunker? What if this is just something completely out of left field, out of left earth and she needs to get back into that bunker cuz she has no idea what is going on and so then she has to, you know, make that choice or maybe Goodman doesn't let her back in. Howard doesn't let her back in, and yeah. now she's stuck, and now she has to take the agency on her own. Yeah. So, or Hannah and I were just in a World War One museum. Mm-hmm. So imagine if the window of the bunker that the lady was beating against earlier, from that we can't see the ground at all. We can only see sky, so we can still have that scene, but it'd be just with the lady's face. Mm-hmm. And so when Michelle comes out, the landscape is just completely obliterated no stand of crops there just right, right. um you know surface no like either land. glassed yeah or this uh, horrible muddy cratered no man's land you know something like um evocative like that and so maybe that fills the need for this creature conflict and instead we have the evidence that something's happened i don't know so maybe just some giant footprints Ooh. in the mud and that's it then th- that would potentially seem like a direct Cloverfield. I suppose. Time, depending yes. on the size of the footprints, I guess. Yes. <laughs> or she comes out onto the ship in the Cloverfield Paradox. Blech. That I really that, would want to get back in the bunker. <laughs> I really do want to keep this movie as far from the Cloverfield Paradox too. as possible. It would just ruin it. It's kind of funny because this movie, I feel like most human beings throughout most of the movie are like, wow, this is a good movie. And then at the end, they're like, I don't know. Whereas Cloverfield Paradox, you're like, wow, this is a bad movie. And then at the end, you see the little bit of Cloverfield tie in. You're like, well, I don't know. That was a cool monster. Right. <laughs> like that's the, the brief upper, whereas this end was the brief uncertainty. Yes. Yes. Well, those are our what ifs for what if 10 Cloverfield Lane excluded the Cloverfield connection. Do you uh, 
think that it should go to a different genre? Do you think it should stay with Cloverfield? What are your thoughts? Let us know uh, across the social medias. You can let us know on Twitter at WhatIfMoviePod or Facebook.com slash WhatIfMoviePod. Uh, also, I'll mention again that we have our new goal for the month of March, which is just just five ratings, five reviews for What If Movie Pod on iTunes. If you'd like to visit us in person, you can find us deep under the earth in our doomsday bunker. Mm-hmm. Yes. I really took the movie to heart. <laughs> Apparently. We've spent all of our life savings. Someone please help him. <laughs> and I think it's my turn to come up with it a question. Is. Oh, good. I was had a moment of panic. Like, was I supposed to come up with an idea? So, um, in returning us to, we've spent some time previously, in fact, I think maybe my previous question was in the, the Marvel Universe. Um, was that mine? Arrival I think I th- yours. Oh, okay. In any case, returning us back to the Marvel Universe, which we spent some time in recently, and for some reason was on my mind recently, I was wondering, just today actually, what if Obadiah Stane had won at the end of the first Iron, Iron Man movie? And so from mm. then on, the sequels are not about Tony Stark's Iron Man, but are about Obadiah Stane's Iron Monger. Interesting. Ooh. As a as a hero? As a villain? As a villain? A hey, man, it's the What If Movie Pod. <laughs> Make whatever movie you want. Man. All right. Okay. <laughs> hmm. We're going to... This is taking us all back. Back to the very beginning. That can completely changes the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe as it's coming out to a close, well, ish, with Infinity War coming up. Yes. So I think this timing will be kind of appropriate. Mm -hmm. I think we'll be talking about this right around the the coming out of uh, Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. Infinity War? Infinity Wars? It's just one war. War? Just the war? One war, I believe. One war. Is it part one, though? uh, It is part one. In Although Infinity? I do not believe that the second one will also be Infinity War. It'll be titled something else. Okay. Whew. Glad we got that straight. So, Marvel, The Avengers 2, Part 1, Infinity War. <laughs> or Avengers 3, yeah, Avengers Part 1, three. Infinity, yeah. War. Infinity War. Huh. All right. So we're going to be watching Iron Man. You don't have to watch Iron Man 2 or 3. I wouldn't do that Thank to you. you. You may, if you wish. I will we'll watch three. Maybe not two. Ooh. Well, yeah, I guess Actually, three. I've only seen three the once. Um, I remember liking it when I watched it. It has not aged as well in my mind. Maybe that means I need to watch it again. Probably. So, yeah, skip two, one, and three. All right, and that will conclude this episode of the What If Movie Pod. See ya. Bye. Goodbye.